Welcome to Sound Like a Pop series, Making a Musical. A while back, I sat down with the creators of a new musical entitled Invisible, the Musical. In our limited series, we interviewed the creators David Hollingsworth and David Orris about their journey from concept to the stage. Two years have passed. We decided it was time to check in. final episode of our series, here's the second part of my conversation with the Davids as they tell us what they are the most looking forward to in the next steps of this incredible journey of Invisible the Musical. Alright, so let's segue into New York. So as you mentioned... When is the date? September 2nd. It's actually on Labor Day. Okay. So Labor Day, you are going to be doing this in New York at 54 Below. Um, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about 54 Below? I'm, I'm sure the true listeners of this podcast know exactly what it is, but just for argument's sake. <laughs> and how you got there and how it's going to go. Uh, 54 Below is a beloved venue in the theater district in New York, um, where it's essentially a cabaret venue, um, where pretty much any day of the week you can go see fantastic Broadway performers singing any variety of music. Our particular, uh, concert is part of a series 54 Below does of new musical works, um, in concert. Uh, we were very, very lucky to be connected with the wonderful Jennifer Ashley Tupper, um, by my friend, uh, and collaborator Gabby Wagner, who is the book writer of a show called City of Light. And, um, Gabby and I are good friends and she's also a big fan of Invisible, thankfully. And, uh, she introduced me to Jen and said, kind of ran down our resume and said, this is my friend and collaborator, David Orris, and he has the show, and they've won this and that. And uh, Jen looked at the show, thankfully responded to it well, and said she wanted to uh, book us. So that's how that happened. <laughs> wow, that's pretty incredible. Is it going to be a staged read-through or a full production? A, a pretty, a really truncated uh, version of the show to um, to just basically give us the highlights because um it's a it's a it's a 75 minute presentation and um the show is much longer than 75 minutes in actual practice <laughs> okay so it's kind of like um an abridged yeah that's a good way to think of it and yeah and there are also equity rules we have to abide by um equity has specific rules specifically for 54 below and cabaret venues in new york about what they can and can't do so that what they're doing at 54 Below isn't in competition with festivals like Nymph or Nampt or uh, other new musical works festivals. So they want it to be more a concert presentation. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, so it's right now as we're recording, it's the first week of August. So what's the plan from now until September 2nd? Well, we're actually... Uh, 
right uh, in the midst of prepping for a reading at 3D Theatricals, um, which apparently there are rules about as well. I guess this is technically a workshop, and there are equity rules about this, like we're not allowed to post on social media about it, I think. So hopefully talking about it in a podcast that will probably come out after it's already happened is kosher. <laughs> um, yes, we can. But, allegedly, we are doing this in a non-actionable <laughs> way. We are doing this. <laughs> but uh, we're, Mark is directing that reading as well, which we're really excited about. He's flying out to L.A. to do that with us. Um, and uh, roughly half the cast... Uh, in Orange County at the 3D Theatricals reading is the same cast that will be performing in New York. In New York, we're going to have a different, we're going to have a different Griff Kemper and Hemlock and a couple others. Um, uh, in New York, it's going to be, uh, Anthony Norman, who is currently in the prom as Griff, uh, Christina Alabato, who's currently in Mean Girls as Hemlock and, Dan Ammerman will be doing Kemper for us in New York, but not in LA. Um, but anyway, the, 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 the short answer to your question is we're getting ready for Orange County while also getting ready for New York. So we're preparing for presentations on two different coasts. And the performance in Orange County will be the same, like abridged as it will be in New York? No, the performance in Orange County will be a full reading. It'll be a table. It'll just be reading at a table. It won't be with any blocking but it will be the full script. But we're not going to promote that because this is going to come out after that. Right. <laughs> okay, so New York happens September 2nd. Then what happens? Well, I mean, um, after that, we're probably going to sleep for a month. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, um, actually, we, we've, uh, we, we do have some other, other um, kind of avenues that we're looking at. Um, and, um, but the, the, the idea will be then to figure out a, a, a regional production, I believe. It's the plan. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been working with 3D for a long time, and they've long expressed an interest in uh, doing that. And we're also in conversations with some other folks, um, both regional as well as uh, – an increasing number of Broadway producers who are um, taking an interest and some of whom I believe will be at uh, the reading in Orange County as well as the performance at 54 Below. So um, I don't want to say more than that because I don't, I'm not like trying to publicly commit anyone to anything, but it's, there's some, there, there's some really exciting stuff happening. So it's kind of, kind of be exciting to see what happens after those two performances. Well, I certainly don't want to get you in more trouble. <laughs> this musical has taken over your lives for the better part of a decade. And I know you both have quote unquote real jobs, which I hate when people say that, but for the argument's sake. So how do you maintain this balance? I mean, you have all this exciting upcoming success with this musical, and then you have to go to work and pretend that you're, you know, just going about your day job how do you how do you kind of keep it all in check well i i have a very understanding partner that helps um and uh but i mean it, it just ends up being like well you you come home from work and then now it's time to spend three or four hours or five or six <laughs> working on on musical stuff um and uh or like oh well this this weekend i'm just going to be writing so um uh, hope everyone else is doing okay. <laughs> like that, 
you you know it it everything's sort of a balancing act and it just figures out it's about figuring out that balance but um i don't know i what what what's also nice, my my coworkers when i told them about the 54 below um show were just elated for me and immediately were like oh well, perfect let's let's figure out what what time you'll need off like i they've been unbelievably understanding and supportive so i mean that helps and that is absolutely not everyone's position so i realize i'm quite privileged in that sense but uh but yeah that that helps quite a bit so what about people listening who are like i have an idea for a musical and i want to get it off the ground and where do i start what would your advice be to them start with hollingsworth as the book writer well my my first honest piece of advice would be to um find a collaborator because as it is, just musical theater is, I, at least I find in terms of just raw, um, you know, the actual creative process of, of creating a musical from your brain and then putting it onto paper is one of the more collaborative uh, art forms, just because it's it's quite difficult to uh, to, you know, uh, figure out every single piece of a musical just by yourself. And you you end up losing that um, really valuable perspective of like, oh, does this idea work? Um, is this, you know, are these are these characters true themselves if you're just inside your own head the entire time? Um, and uh, the best way that I I or the, the the literal way that I found a collaborator is um, if you've got a local workshop, um, any kind of creative writing, writing workshop, but especially a musical theater writing workshop. Um, that's a, that's a great place to not only learn some of the fundamentals, learn some of the history of musicals, um, but find other talented people who are also looking to work with other talented people. Um, yeah, my, my, my number one thing is, is find someone who, um, you, you kind of share some kind of brainwave with, but not everything. Like you want to find someone who you don't agree with on absolutely everything because then otherwise it's, it's basically like working with yourself. I think that's a really good point. You know, um, I think that smart, the smartest people collaborate with people who don't agree with them 100% of the time. So that's really, um, says a lot about who you guys are. David Orris, do you want to respond? Yeah. Um, again, I, I agree with everything Hollingsworth said and would just kind of piggyback onto it that, uh, it, it is really important to find someone that you, you complement each other as I think how I would put it, because I think what I really responded to about David Hollingsworth as a writer is his, and, I, and I've, I've actually said this to him even recently, but it's been true since the first day I heard his, his writing in the workshop is his humor to, to my ear is surprising. He, he will take five sort of disparate ideas, marry them into one cohesive idea and make it so hilarious and so character driven and um, I tend to, as as a writer, as, as a songwriter, as a person, <laughs> I think I tend to lead toward the melodramatic. And and David Hollingsworth, to, to my mind, is is a great writer in many ways, but particularly in comedy. And um, I think the marriage of my sort of like bent toward things that make me cry essentially <laughs> and his bent toward things that make you laugh have are, are part and parcel of what I really love about our collaboration what I really appreciate about 
I think the sum of our parts is greater than the individual pieces, if that makes sense. Um, and, uh, yeah, someone to bounce ideas off of. We can't all be Jonathan Larson. Um, wish we could. I thought I could. I thought I was going to, you know, I thought I was going to write great rock operas, but I, I, and, and never say never. I might have one of those in me where you, where you play all three roles. But even then, I guarantee I will be calling David Hollingsworth on the phone if I even dare to try it, saying, does this make sense? Tell me about my story. Like, you need that person to reflect back to you. You, you don't want to be locked in your own room, so to speak. Well, you kind of stepped on my last question, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shoot right back at you and ask you, what's your favorite thing? And you can't say what you just said, but what's your favorite thing about working with David Hollingsworth? <sighs> Boy, that's that's hard to pinpoint because there really are so many. Um, I know that sounds cheesy, but it's true. Uh, I, I mean, I think more than the fact that I, I legit think he's a legitimate genius um, and that he's truly funny. He has a truly unique voice um, uh, and that he has a delight to work with. Um, I Again, I know it's kind of a hokey answer, but it's really a tr- the truth. I think I think the dude just has a great heart. And I think that's probably the biggest reason I respond to his writing as well, because in the middle of it, there's a pathos. There's a, a, a common desire for the greatest good for the greatest number of people that I think comes through in his writing. And that is something I vibe with and connect with in a deep level. And uh, it, it speaks to who he is as an artist and as a human being, a friend. Um, so that would have to be it. Hollingsworth, what's your favorite thing about working with David Orris? Well, first, sorry, I'm I'm legit crying a little, uh, but but uh, I uh, I if if I have if 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 what Orris likes about me is is a a huge heart. Um, I think what I love most about Orris is his ability to uh to tear that heart out with his like in the best possible way with 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 just these these songs that drive at like at at the the beauty and the pain of life all at the same time and and uh it's 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 something i've i've loved since i heard the first song he ever wrote for uh that workshop we were in um like it was I, it wasn't even for a project i was working on it was just some other random thing and it just it i it i, I can still remember the specific like chord progression that just like drew like i was floored um but even beside that even beside Oris's talent um and 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 uh humanity that comes through in his writing um i there would be no show without Oris. Oris is the 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 amount of uh dedication and singular vision that Oris has had in in driving this show forward in in putting it up in front of people in 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 reaching out to tell people about it like his his ability to to just keep the show going is i'm it, it impresses me it humbles me every day um it i he's he's he 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 works harder than any other person i know and it's inspiring you two are the sweetest. 
Um, the last thing I want to ask you both, we'll start with Oris, is what's the one thing that you want people to walk away from watching your work to, um, well, what's the last thing you want people to walk away with? Sorry, I'm now, now I'm all choked up. I'm not crying, you're crying. Um, <laughs> I think uh, what I want people to walk away with is a full heart. I, w- I want people to sense within the story and the songs the enormity of the value of the ability of their own human heart to feel. And... Um, I want people to walk away having learned something about themselves and the characters, and I wouldn't prescribe what that thing is, because hopefully we're telling quite a few narratives that will speak to different people in different ways. Um, But ultimately, that everybody has value, that you have value, and that um, in making it, in finding your own self-worth and gratitude for who you are, you can find that for other people in the world. And I know I sound like a cheese bag, but I really mean it. (laughs) And Mr. Hollingsworth? I have actually, it might sound counterintuitive, especially regarding what, what, um, what Oris just said, but I hope for, for a certain segment of the audience, part of what the show does is make them re-examine, um, I guess is, is to get people to, to cut, yeah, to reflect upon themselves. Um, cause one of the themes of the show is effectively, um, you know, how, how certain people see themselves as, as the heroes of a particular story when they might actually be the villain. Um, and, uh, I, I actually, I hope that in addition to, to people, um, having that, that, that full heart and that sense that we're, we're all connected and we're all worthy. I, I do hope that some people walk away and go and, and, and reflect on moments in their lives and that they might've, uh, where, where they might've assumed they were being the hero when in reality they may have been, um, been, uh, being a exhibiting less than stellar behavior towards other people. <laughs> I, I, that again, that sounds like, like it's counterintuitive or, or, or contradictory of the kind of um, feeling that, that uh, the horse wants, but I think they're actually kind of tied together. I, I, I hope that, uh, that people walk out of there realizing um, that for better or for worse, all of us are worthy of love. No, I actually think that's a really great point that two people can watch the same person and one can think he's a hero and one can think he's a villain. Um, but also I think, imagine <laughs> what this world would be if sometimes people realize that they were the villain. <sighs> if particular people also, that that would be great. Wouldn't it? <laughs> exactly. So do you guys have anything else that you wanted to promote or talk about or... Do you um do you want to say anything about those cast members that I mentioned or anybody else on the team? I, I mean, we're so excited about everybody we're getting to work with. Honestly, there are so many people who have given us their time and their talent um, for no other reason than just the joy of like participating in theater making and. It's it's humbling every single time we get to do it. Um, not just those people that we've been with 
for a long time, but everyone we're getting to work with. We have we have a whole bunch of new people we're getting to work with in Orange County in a week or two that I'm super excited to be working with. Um, it's it's amazing how much incredible talent there is out there, and it's I I I often feel like it's a little douchey, but when people say this, but honestly, it's genuinely humbling. Um, we're, we're just grateful to all the people that have lent their talents and time. Um, like Hollingsworth was saying, theater making is, is wildly collaborative and that, and that's just not in the writing room. It's, it's in the rehearsal room. It's every, it's every step of the way and we couldn't have done it without a truly massive number of theater artists who have just lent lended their time to us. And uh, we're so excited about 54 Below, so please come out to see uh, Invisible at 54 Below on September 2nd at 9.30. Again, starring uh, Anthony Norman, Christina Alabato, Dan Ammerman, and Jordan Goodsell. It'll be an amazing time. Now, where can, they, where can people get tickets for that if they're going to be in New York? Um, there is a link to it from uh, both the Invisible Facebook page as well as the Invisible website, which is invisiblethemusical.com. You can also go directly to the 54 Below website, which I'm 99% sure is 54below.com. Um, that is correct. Just go, and just go to their calendar and look for September 2nd. Okay. Well, um, every time I talk to the both of you, I get inspired and get the warm and fuzzies and genuine love for each other and what you're doing and um anytime i hear about the next level of success i get choked up because i just like when good things happen to good people so uh matt and i wish you nothing but success and we really hope that we can talk to you again after 54 below because we're really excited for you and really wish we could be there but we're still requesting a shout out in your tony speech that's all we want excuse me Everyone, uh, sorry for the interruption. I'll let everyone get back to the prom soon enough. But while I'm here on this stage... God, I don't usually do this. I've never had the chance to stand in front of all of you. And there's just something I have to say To the one person Who's always been true Cause now I can finally see Thank you once again for listening to Some Like It Pop series, Making a Musical. We will be checking back with this delightful group from time to time to find out the latest updates on their incredible journey that is Invisible the Musical. Special thanks to our guests, David Hollingsworth, David Orris, Mark Kudish, Jordan Goodsell, Dan Ammerman, Alyssa Rupert, and Christy Brooks. A special thanks to my pinch hitter, Matt Tamanini. Invisible the Musical will be performing at 54 Below in New York on September 2nd at 9.45 p.m. Tickets are available on the website 54below.com. Follow at invisible underscore show for all the latest updates. You can also follow us on Twitter at SLIP podcast for the latest news on our upcoming episodes. You can follow Matt at BWW Matt and myself at Eponine Q. Now I can finally see.